The 2023 NBA draft is finally here. It'll be a busy time for the Atlanta Hawks and the entire rest of the NBA. We have plenty to discuss on the final, we think, pre-draft episode of Locked on Hawks podcast. Stay tuned, and all of that is on the way. You are Locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1503 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs EA style tumbler with each and every order. That is birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. I should also tell you at the top of the podcast, if you're a new listener in particular, to make us our first listen each and every day, check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify and YouTube on the video side, Apple Podcasts, etc. And thank you for joining us on the episode today because we think, barring some big news on Thursday, that will be the last podcast episode between now and the NBA draft, which arrives on Thursday evening. For transparency's sake, I'm recording this podcast about 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. So if anything happens after that, you will know why I'm not including it now on the podcast. But it's been very, very busy on this podcast feed and really across the NBA world in the last couple of days and weeks. We had a two-part episode this week with Tower Jones earlier, uh, player capsules with Glenn Willis all the way through the month of June and really even back into May. Shouts to Glenn for helping with that, breaking down the entire roster of the Atlanta Hawks. Also, NBA Draft Deep Dives with Mark Schindler and Zach Milner and Ben Pfeiffer, Richard Stamen, Brian Schroeder, and others, and a news and mailbag show yesterday. So all of that is still very fresh in the archive right now. I encourage you, if you're a new listener, to dive in to all of that stuff for some full context in the uh, sort of advance before the NBA Draft arrives at 8 o'clock p.m. on Thursday. But I'll say this at the top of the podcast. I love the NBA Draft. I think that I have covered it more than the average person that covers the NBA. I am not... Sam Bassini, I am not Jonathan Gavoni. I am not someone who is on that level of, uh, of expertise and intel. I'm not as good as Brian or Mark or Zach about the uh, you know an- analysis side of things, but I am a draft nut for sure. I have loved the draft. It's my favorite day of the year, honestly, I believe, at least when it comes to the sporting calendar. I used to go to a camp in the summertime and uh, didn't really, this is pre pre uh, good internet anyway. And I would call my dad and fill out a composition notebook with the draft picks. Uh, this is like 12, 13 year old me, like a maniac. So I love the draft long story short. So I am excited for the draft. Always. I try to do a lot of build up to the draft. It's not quite as much as it used to be on this podcast because quite frankly, the Hawks have not been picking as highly and they've been playing the playoffs, which means less time for the draft. But uh, if you've been listening for a long, long time, you will know that I definitely blow it out around the draft. And this is uh, we're finally here at this point in time. So plan to get to, I'm sure, for the everyday listeners, I will repeat myself a little bit from the entire cycle because that's kind of the nature of the beast at this point in time. But there's plenty to get to. And we'll dive in first with a little bit of actual news um, on Wednesday. I'll say this. There was not a huge rumor that broke. Again, I'm looking at my phone as I'm recording this podcast a little bit more than usual. But um, I did a setup last week at the end of the week about how the Hawks could get under the tax if they wanted to. And I was asked about that, gave my answer on that on that front. But I'll do a quick reset now because it's something that Sham Sarani reported on Wednesday. And also because I know a lot of people are not necessarily dialed into this stuff all the time and it does impact the entire offseason for the Hawks and with the draft kind of kicking things off. It's a good time to kind of refresh on this. But the salary cap line was originally projected about $134 million for this coming season. And uh, the luxury tax line was 162 projected. Again, it's always projected until it's finalized. Shams reported today on Wednesday 
Those projections have actually gone up to 136 million for the cap and 165 for the tax. A notable increase on both fronts. Keith Smith of SpotTrack did the math on the first apron not being 172 and the second apron being about 182. So long story short, and without going super cap nerd on you, this is very good news for the Hawks, especially if they want to get under the tax. Now, again, I will say this now for the new listeners. I am not advocating that. In fact, I think the Hawks have done a pretty ugly job under Tony Russell at times, ducking the tax at the expense of basketball. So I am not recommending that the Hawks do this. But if they have decided to cut money to get under the tax line, which has happened before, including last season, this is easier for them to do that. And basically, this is all about the tax line. I know there's the salary cap figures do matter, but basically there is no realistic path that I can see for the Hawks to get all the way under the cap and use cap space. So we're talking about the, about the tax right now for that reason. Um, big for agents, not really possible, barring sign-in trades, all that fun stuff. So as far as the roster is concerned, I won't go through the entire thing like crazy, but the top 10 guys on, on the team from last year are also the top 10 guys the Hawks have on guaranteed contracts for next year. Just to say the names out loud, I'm talking about Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, Anyeka Okongwu, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bey, AJ Griffin, and Bogdan Mandanovich, aka the Hawks' top 10, all under contract for this year on guaranteed deals. The Hawks also have four guys on non-guaranteed contracts. That's Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando, Tyrese Martin, and B. Krejci. That's 14 guys. That's an entire team right there from last year. Obviously, minus Aaron Holiday, who's a free agent now. And then you would also throw in the fact the Hawks have a first-round pick, which is a guaranteed contract if they were to make that pick. Now, also, they have some extension stuff in the future. We'll talk about it later on with Okongwu and Sadiq Bey, et cetera. The Hawks could offer DeJounte Murray an extension if they, if they want to. He may not take it. I think he probably won't take it, but there you go. But at the moment, go back to the tax thing, the Hawks have those 10 guys under contract, and they're essentially at the tax line already with 10 guys plus the cap hold for the first-round pick at 15 overall. Technically, they're a little bit below it, but they have to actually fill out the roster, and that, and that costs money. So you got to have at least 14 guys on the roster when the season starts. Anyway, the Hawks are over the tax unless they cut salary. I'll say this right now. The Hawks are not going to go past the second apron. I am very, very confident about that. I would fall on the floor if they did. But just for the sake of the exercise, if the Hawks were to keep all four guys that they have on non-guaranteed deals, plus the top 10 guys that they have on their roster, and make a first-round draft pick, that puts them over the first apron and at about $175 million in team salary. So all that said, I'll reference this a little bit around this. There's some talk about this in a second with regard to some rumor stuff. But when you hear around the league, and I'm sure you have if you're a Hawks fan that's diehard listening, listening to all this stuff, people refer to the Hawks as like capped out or you know, they're having cost issues or financial questions or tax issues, et cetera. That's why. The Hawks have a lot of money committed. And I've said this before, the Hawks have no contracts that I would call like really bad albatrosses. There are no you know, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, like super, super negative contracts. But some of these deals are viewed around the league as questionable too bad at times for different teams. John Collins, DeAndre Hunter. Even Clint Capella at times is seen as a sort of negative contract in some circles. I wouldn't agree with that, but there you go. Anyway, they have some questions long-term, and I'm leaving that on the draft podcast because there's some news around that, and I think a lot of the buzz that you will hear about trades in particular with guys like Collins, with guys like Hunter Capella, is financially motivated for the Hawks to cut some salary. So all that said, that's one part of the story coming into the draft. I promise you we'll have some more fun stuff now, rumors, buzz, check-ins, NBA draft thoughts, et cetera, on the way. But first, a quick word from our sponsors on today's podcast. We'll be right back with more on the draft. 
Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin when wearing Bird Dogs gear, and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, give that sculpted look that you're actually seeking. They fit much better than regular shorts that happen to be made of a stiff or shrinking cotton. Bird Dogs fixes that issue by actually emitting their cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but also stretches, give you the slimmer fit without having to sacrifice anything with regard to movement. They also use anti-sweat wicking fabric to keep you cool and dry all day long. In the end, Bird Dogs gives you awesome products, and you're going to want to check out all of them by going to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you get there, enter the promo code LockedOnNBA, and if you do that and use that code, it will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with each and every order. One more time, check everything out that you're looking for with Bird Dogs at birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so I talked about rumors extensively on Tuesday evening, and honestly, there isn't a ton new in the last 24 hours, which is kind of surprising in some respects. But uh, for one, Jake Fisher, friend of the podcast from Yahoo Sports, was on Will Lou's Raptors podcast and actually said that the Hawks and the Raptors have been talking about Pascal Siakam, that there's something there with those discussions. That's not new. I talked about that a little bit on yesterday's show. I wrote about it as well at patreon.com slash btroland, but it's something that he said as recently as Tuesday, so this is kind of fresh. The feeling I get... I'm not reporting this, but the feeling I get right now talking to people around and listening to Jake on that podcast is that DeJounte Murray is available as the entire roster is. One more time, the entire roster other than Trey Young is available in trade. And I think if, if again, if the Hawks were to make a trade for Pascal Siakam, it would probably include DeJounte Murray. Now, I didn't say definitely, and that's a lot of ifs, but make no mistake, the Raptors would be asking for more than just Murray. Um, I think I've seen some Hawks fans maybe pie in the sky hoping – but, you know, generally speaking around the league, Siakam is seen as a better player than DeJounte Murray. And I think I agree with that. Uh, Siakam is more expensive, but it's one year on both sides and they're both going to be asking for a lot of money in the future. Siakam's older, but I think in general, consensus is that Siakam's better than Murray at this point in time. And I think for Toronto, they would be asking for more than just Murray in that deal. Now, I think the Hawks have to put something else in as far as bigger salary to make it work, which means someone like Hunter, someone like Collins, someone like Capella to make the money work because Siakam makes, makes a lot more money. And I won't go through the entire salary cap stuff now on this, but for one thing, I think Siakam's a better fit with Trey than DeJounte is. But I think that the three of them together don't really work all that well because the lack of shooting with DeJounte and Siakam. I think that the Hawks are also have some questions about having um, Murray and Siakam because they both hit for agency next year. Uh, at the same time, they could sign Siakam to an extension if they were to trade for him. That would be a two-year deal immediately, or they can wait six months and sign him to a four-year deal. I'll say that stuff for later on as well, but... Anyway, the last thing is, if you don't have Murray in the deal, I would imagine Toronto asks for basically everything else. We're talking about you know one one or two big salaries to match salary, and then I'm sure the Raptors are asking for AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, draft picks, Akongwu, etc. So I would be wary of gutting the future in pursuit of Siakam, who again is a very good player, but it's a one year deal, and he's he's almost 30 years old. I think he might already be 30 years old at this point in time. So. That's something to keep an eye on. It's a big name, an all-star player. So obviously you have to make calls on that and, and do due diligence and all that fun stuff. But um, it's a name to monitor. And it, it seems like it's kind of real on the discussion front. I'm, I, no one's reported that anything is imminent, imminent there, but we'll see in the next 24 hours or so. Also, Jake said from what he's hearing um, that both John Collins and DeAndre Hunter are kind of higher in the priority list to move than Clint Capella is for the Hawks right now. I've said before, um, on one hand, you have a Kongwu to kind of take the spot of Capella, which makes it a little bit easier to trade him. On the other, Capella is good, number one. Number two, he's a Trey Young favorite. That's You cannot 
overstate that. And I think Capella has been their anchor for so long. Um, in some ways, it's natural to move on from him because of Kongwu. But at the other, at, at the same time, I think they. It seems like they want to move either Collins or Hunter or both, um, almost more so than Capella. But we'll see. There's a market for Capella for sure, and they could be trading him in the near future. Um, on a on a podcast today, Zach Lowe and Jonathan Gavoni talked a little bit about the Hawks. No bombshells on that podcast on the Low Post. Gavoni said basically what we said about the Dallas trade possibilities earlier this week, and that Dallas wants Capella. The Hawks want to trade Collins, and basically Dallas says we want 15 and Capella, and the Hawks say no. So there you go. That's that at this point in time. We'll see. Also, Gavoni said that there's a lot of chatter around Downey Hunter. Downey Hunter, no surprise there, but he's definitely available and a pretty intriguing trade guy in some respects around the league. Um, he did mention, as I mentioned before on this podcast, that basically everyone around the league, this is from Gavoni now, is looking at the Hawks' cap and tax situation with more extensions looming and basically pointing out that the Hawks are kind of in trouble on that front. And... Another wrinkle, and that he actually reported this a little bit earlier in the cycle, but worth noting again now, is that I'm going to quote him actually here. Quote from Gavoni. A lot of agents have said Atlanta is a situation that they're actively avoiding because they feel like the roster is very deep. What is the pathway to playing time? End quote. Now, this is talking about draft prospects. Um, and also said some agents don't, don't want to send their guards to Atlanta in particular because of the glut the Hawks have with Trey and DeJounte, presumably. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I, I'm not sure it really matters that much. You know, Casey Wallace has been talked about, Keontae George, Nick Smith, Jonah Jafino, Kobe Bufkin. All those guys are sort of in the Hawks range and uh, perhaps something to note there. Last thing on the kind of rumblings slash rumors front right now. Uh, Jonathan Wasserman, Bleacher Report, does a good job over there. He's been on this podcast before, actually. Got Hawks fans kind of excited in some respects by talking about how the Hawks are exploring Hunter trades because, in part, A.J. Griffin needs to play more. Now, I'm not dismissing that because I think the Hawks do need to find a way to play A.J. more and would like to do that. But that's not why, in my understanding, that the Hawks are making Hunter available. I think maybe it's a small part of the reason. I think Hunter pretty clearly is available because, number one, he hasn't played that well. And there was a whole debate about this tonight. I'm going to stay out of that for right, for right now about, you know, Hunter versus Collins and who's been better. I said pretty clearly that I think Collins has been a pretty vastly better player in their careers, whereas Hunter has more trade value. I would agree with that because Hunter's on a little bit of a cheaper contract. And almost more importantly, he plays the three. And he's that 6'8 forward that everyone's looking at. Now, potential there is kind of a weird phrase because he's already 25 years old. I'm not sure how much upside there is there, but everyone in the league wants that archetype, whereas Collins is a little bit harder to fit in. So it's different discussions. Collins is the better player. I will stand on that and very firmly so. But Hunter has more trade value and is a little bit more um, versatile in some respects. So there you go on that. But anyway, the part of this that is as to why he's available is because of there's all that. There's the contract, which is pretty significant now that he's starting. Travis Schlenk was the one that traded for him in the draft and then signed with that contract. He's not there anymore. Also, again, he's not, you know, he's he's very available. And I would say this about if the Hawks were to trade him. Now, you know, we talked about Hunter extensively on the podcast with Glenn. I recommend listening to that show. There's a lot of nuance with Hunter. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's particularly good right now. There's nuance in between there. And I don't have time to talk about all of that again right now. But all that said, if the Hawks were to trade DeAndre Hunter, they have to have a, a plan defensively because as uninspiring as Hunter was at times this year, it would be a pretty big drop-off defensively to the likes of Sadiq Bey or A.J. Griffin for a team that already has defensive questions. So same with Collins. There's question marks there if you trade him. I'm not saying all that stuff, but Hunter's more of a – not necessarily a new addition to the trade market, but I think the whispers are a little bit louder on Hunter being traded or at least possibly being traded than they kind of ever have been around, around the Hawks right now because for a long time, he was high on the list of guys who were not particularly available. Um, not, not quite on the trade level, but they were they were not going to look to trade DeAndre Hunter. I think that's more of a possibility now than it's ever been. Anyway, uh, 
one more thing here before we get to some last, um, some sort of final draft thoughts. Uh, sort of a mock draft roundup. I looked at this before recording the podcast just to tell you where all the prominent national mock drafts are on the Hawks right now. Again, I would stress, and they always say this too, Sam Messina does, ESPN guys do. Mock drafts, especially when you get down to the Hawks range, um, they have to be inexact. You know, the top the top few picks, they have more intel there and there's just less variance because picks, you know, there's only so many picks. At 15, there's a lot that can change ahead of you. So all that, keep that in mind. Now, uh, Sam Messini, friend of the podcast from The Athletic, has the Hawks taking Kaysom Wallace. And he said, a few different sources, this is a quote from Sam, have noted they'd be surprised to see Wallace get beyond Atlanta at 15. I will back that up as well. I've heard the same. Now, I'm not saying that that, that means the Hawks are going to take Kaysom Wallace. I'm not saying that. But I think for a lot of people that I've talked to, the Hawks would at least strongly consider Kaysom Wallace at 15, and also he could be gone by then. So the combination of those two things, I think his relative floor is probably around that range based on what I know right now. That's a guy that's very prominently talked about. And I've said, and I'll say it again later in this podcast, I'm sure that Wallace is one of the best case scenarios for Atlanta. I believe that. Uh, ESPN actually updated to Jalen Hood-Shifino of, of Indiana today. Some mocks have him going before the Hawks. And in the write-up, actually, ESPN, ESPN's guys, Jonathan Gavoni and Jeremy Wu, focus more on the overall situation for the Hawks than the actual fit of Hood-Shifino. So we'll see. But he's a, he's sort of a combo guard, maybe maybe more of a wing in some respects. But a guy who has some uh, some big splits. I think people have him in the lottery on some fronts. People like John Hollinger, I saw him like in the 30s. Like There's big splits on Jalen Hood-Shifino. Anyway. Kristen Peake of Yahoo has Kaysom Wallace to the Hawks. Kyle Boone of CBS has Bilal Koulibaly to the Hawks. The intel, by the way, on Koulibaly is everywhere right now, like all over the place. A few days ago, it felt like he was going to be in the top 10, almost certainly. Now, maybe a little bit less certainty on that. But um, I think if I had to guess, he'll be gone by the time the Hawks pick. But there you go. Uh, the Ringer has Jalen Hutchifino as well. It almost felt like in the blurb for that on the Ringer, it felt like they were picking for another team almost. But so we'll see. Uh, I mentioned before, Jonathan Wasserman has the Hawks taking Kaysom Wallace. And then for what it's worth, I had to file a mock draft today as well. Um, it basically was about uh, just you know across the board for Dime. Um, for the Hawks, I'll just do that Hawks part on this. I have them taking Kaysom Wallace. Now, with the war- with the way the board broke, it was pretty easy to peg Kaysom Wallace there. And again, I think you could argue maybe he's one of the more likely picks and also one of the best-case best case scenario picks, but that's where we are right now on the mock draft front. Last thing on this before we get to some more takes from me, I suppose, at the end of the podcast, is a workout roundup. Um, in the end, the Hawks hosted, again, more than 100 guys in Atlanta over the last six, seven weeks. Um, 13 of my top 45 players, or 46 players, came to Atlanta for publicly announced workouts. Landry Fields made kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference to a question I asked last week and said that there were, there were some guys in that we didn't know about I can only know about what we know about, but 13, again, 13, 13 of my personal top 46 came to Atlanta. Also, plus five or six more guys beyond that that I had in like my top 60, so draftable players. So that's 15, you know, it's 18, 19 guys that I would consider to be draftable players. I think there are nine guys that came to Atlanta that I could reasonably see going in the first round on Thursday, ranging from Kaysen Wallace, who's almost a first-round lock, Chris Murray at the top, to Max Lewis, Omax Prosper from Marquette, Ben Shepard from Belmont, Gigi Jackson from South Carolina, Ryan Repair, Brandon Pajemski, and Amari Bailey. I think those guys could all reasonably go in the first round somewhere on Thursday. They won't all go in the first round. I said could for a reason. Plus a few more that I would definitely consider taking at 46. Julian Strother, Ricky Council, Hunter Tyson, Seth Lundy, I would say are all very solid picks at 46. So 
for all the talk about how the Hawks had some issues, and I think they uh, even admitted this on some level, having uh, trying try to get guys to come to Atlanta, a still pretty decent group. Now, the top-level names, Wallace is the only guy that is like a consensus top 15 guy that came to Atlanta. Uh, Chris Murray, I have higher than a lot of people do. He's firmly in that range for me. So you, if you want to throw him in, sure. But that's still only two of those guys. So it's always tough. But that's kind of the lasting things there. And I will say this. Publicly announcing workouts is a good thing. Austin used to do this. But at the same time, it doesn't really tell you all that much. It's more of a media availability kind of thing. You kind of know who's coming and going. But um, workouts can be very overstated. Sometimes they actually can be important. But uh, I'll leave that there for now as sort of a roundup at the end of this. Okay. One more break here from our sponsors. When I come back, we'll talk about the uh, sort of final thoughts on my board and how the Hawks might approach the draft when it comes to Thursday. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. And for a championship team, it's all about making sure every single player is a perfect fit for you. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. The next time you're looking for parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every single part that you need happens to fit right and does so the first time around. Add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check mark to know that the part will be fitting or your money will be coming back to you. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in absolutely no time. After all, it's very easy to bring home a win when your right parts are actually guaranteed to work for you. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices all in one place at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, and we'll end the show with sort of a roundup of my final thoughts on all the options, at least a lot of the options that the Hawks are facing on Thursday. I'll start with the chances the Hawks just stay put at 15 overall, make their pick. That's obviously a very possible, maybe even probable thing. Um, I think for me, the Hawks, there's probably 17 or 18 guys in this draft that I would legitimately qualify as like good picks at 15 overall, which might sound crazy, but that's the depth of this draft. Obviously, like half of those guys have no chance to fall to Atlanta. So keep that in mind. Like that includes women Yama. That includes Scoot Henderson. Those guys are not going to fall, obviously. But I would say it's a fairly wide range of players the Hawks could reasonably, in my mind, again, this is a pretty flat draft in this range, but a good draft, um, evaluate from Kaysen Wallace, as I talked about before, from Kobe Bufkin. Also also on the, on the guard line, you have Grady Dick on the wing line and Jed Howard, Chris Murray, Bilal Kulabali, Derek Lively. Like the list goes on and on. It's a very long list of players. Then there are another like seven or eight guys that I would at least understand taking. Even if, even if I wouldn't take them 15 overall, I could make an argument for seven or eight more guys, whether it be Nick Smith or Keontae George or Jalen Trefino, whatever. Like there are guys who I think have the normalized talent to be a middle first round pick that I would totally understand. Jordan Hawkins is on that list, et cetera. Um, so I think it's not a sexy answer. And I'm, I'm well aware of that. I think listeners probably know that I want to give you as much nuance as possible. This is a draft in which I'm going to have a hard time beyond those players kind of criticizing what the Hawks do. I can kind of see it. I have my preferences. We'll get into that later on. I also wrote about that at patreon.com slash BT rolling on my draft tiers, but I think it's a pretty interesting class and all things equal staying put is a totally fine outcome and just making a pick in that range. You could trade down, of course. Now there's some GM speak on this, but Landry Field said last week they've been evaluating moving up or moving down the board. That's a very standard answer. Uh, Sam Vecini noted on a, on a podcast recently that in his research trades up with two picks from the late teens or twenties usually go like five to eight spots. So if you do that math, a pretty obvious partner, it's not been reported, is Brooklyn. So Brooklyn has the 21st and 22nd picks back-to-back. That's six spots below the Hawks. That's exactly in the range that Sam was talking about. If you know, I'm not saying that they, that they would offer that or that the Hawks would take it. That's a generally fair accepted value for the Hawks pick 
in this range would be going down to Brooklyn's two picks. Um, also, they're a natural partner in other ways. John Collins has been a, a, a guy that they've been interested in for a long time. Um, the Nets reportedly like him. The Hawks have interest, I'm sure, uh, at least on some level, in some of the wings that the Nets have, from Royce O'Neal to Dorian Finney-Smith, et cetera. We'll see if that's a partnership that comes together, but that's a possible one. And again, I think the most obvious trade down destination would be Brooklyn with those two picks. Indiana was a pretty natural partner until they made a trade today with Denver that changes things a little bit. Now, Denver actually has three picks between 29 and 37. Not quite enough there. Utah has 16 and 28. If they want to move up one spot, that's only one spot, though. Kind of tough to do that. Um, there are other options. You know, Indiana could be looking for DeAndre Hunter. That's a guy that I, I think have uh, you kind of have to circle with regard to the Pacers because um, I was actually a report. I can't remember who reported it today, but like someone included him on a list of players that talk, they talked about as power forwards. And, you know, there's a debate about whether Hunter is a power forward, but um, I think that Indiana's looking for more versatility in that spot. And I think if they like him, maybe like a DeAndre Hunter for TJ McConnell and a pick kind of thing to add to the Hawks per defense, et cetera. That's just spitballing. I'm not reporting that, but there you go. Um, some more guys that, I, by the way, I would target in a trade down if I was the Hawks that I probably wouldn't take at 15, but certainly would consider lower down the board. I think Dariq Whitehead from Duke will not be the highest rated guy that I have when the Hawks pick at 15 if they do. But he could pick. It could be the pick there. I've said that before. I think that'd be totally reasonable if his medical checks out. That's a big question mark with Derek Whitehead. He's had two surgeries. We'll see. But the pedigree there is very, very good. A la AJ Griffin a year ago. Leonard Miller is a polarizing guy from G League Ignite, but I think um, you know people are very high on him in the league across the board. I know Sam Messini has him as a lottery pick, for instance. I'm not quite there with Leonard Miller, but at 21-22, sure. Uh, the tools are very interesting there. He's very, very talented, and I think later in the first round would be interesting. Max Lewis, similarly, I wouldn't take him at 15, but it would be defensible, and I think that you know more, more like it later on would be good. Uh, Jaime Hawkes is a lower ceiling guy, but I have loved him for a long time. He's apparently been killing it in every workout. Again, more of a trade-down piece, not a high upside guy, but we, would be interesting. Colby Jones, very similarly to Jaime Hawkes, not an inspiring guy necessarily, but someone I would like later on. Omax Prosper has been fast rising from Marquette, um, kind of a 3 and D forward type between 20 and 30 on my board. Be good in trade-down. Ryan Repair, C. Sissoko, James Naji, all those guys. Uh, and there's probably even more than that. So if they were to trade-down, the board opens up even more. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'll say this. All things equal, I kind of prefer trading down to trading up. Now, that's not universal in this class, but I think if you all if all I knew was you have one choice, up or down, at fair value in my mind, I would probably go down. That's just my that's my description. I know most fans hate trade downs. I understand why. To the trading up option. So the reporting that we talked about a little bit earlier this week with Derek Lively exists. Um, also, a little bit on case of Wallace, if the Hawks were to fall in love with him, I did not want to risk him going off the board before they pick. They could trade up for someone like Grady Dick. They could trade up for someone like Anthony Black or Taylor Hendricks. Even a bigger swing on like Cam Whitmore wouldn't be shocking to me. Um, I think in general, I don't love the idea of moving up in this draft because I think for the most part, my tier breaks are not very big. Different if you go like way up for one of those guys like Black or Hendricks or, what, or Whitmore or something like that. I would like it less if you go up a few spots because I don't think anybody is like big enough to uh, jump up and get there necessarily unless they fall. Um, but again, it's all it's all about degrees. Part of this, what I'm saying, is because the Hawks are already short on draft capital, which I know it's kind of a weird topic to talk about, but there are some limitations to what the Hawks can offer and what they need to consider for the future because this is a team that's not quite ready to be a title contender right now, at least, at least as, as, as constructed, and they owe a lot of picks to the Spurs. So the Hawks could trade this year's pick right now. Once the draft is over, the Hawks could then trade only one of their picks after this year for a long time because they also have the Kings pick, by the way, from Kevin Herter trade. But 
the rest of their picks are owed to the Spurs or they're encumbered by the Stepien rule. Um, they owe 2025 to the Spurs unprotected, 2027 to the Spurs unprotected, and then they have a swap in 2026. Um, so keep that in mind. Like the Hawks, like, like a lot of these teams like could throw like one of those four or five first round packages. The Hawks kind of did that already with the, with Dejounte. Not not all the way all, all the way to that level, but they can't just like empty the clip for a huge trade package on draft picks only. Keep that in mind. And you usually, if you're going to trade up in this draft, you have to you have to either take a bad contract back, i.e., what the Dallas construction would be with probably Dallas Bertans coming back. Or you have to attach a positive value asset, meaning a future pick or a young player um, or a really good player. So one of those three things, like you can't just move up for free. It, it costs it costs capital, and that's something to keep in mind for the future. Also, they could trade out entirely. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think it's unlikely probably. But the Hawks, I don't think they're trying to get out of an, a, a pretty good draft by all accounts, but there's a world in which they get a good offer for a future pick or something like that or a young player, and they want to get better quickly, et cetera. That's possible. I think most likely if the Hawks end up without a pick in the first round, it's because they use that pick to you to sort of attach to a player to upgrade somewhere else. Like I think that, uh, kicking, kicking the can down the road would be surprising to me. So uh, trading out is at least plausible, but I think it's probably the least likely of the three scenarios. Quickly at 46 overall, um, this is not sexy at all, but I'll just say this now. Um, any new listeners, I promise this is true. The Hawks have not had a rotation level player in the second round since they drafted Mike Muscala in 2013. That is 10 years ago. Now, Muscala is still in the league, which is impressive as a rotation caliber guy, but um, the Hawks have had no success at all in the second round for the entire decade. Now, part of that is that they've, they've sold picks, they've traded down for cash, they've not tried to maximize. Now, they've missed the picks as well. Tower Dorsey's won, they've sold some picks, etc. But last year, they kind of did both. Now, I hate hate when the Hawks sell draft picks because there's no basketball value to that. It's just putting money in wrestler's pocket. There's no cap savings, none of that. It's just money uh, that doesn't have an impact on basketball. Last year, they traded down seven spots in exchange for cash. So they made their pick worse for only the impact of Tony Russell's wallet. As a fan, you shouldn't like that. Anyway, at least they kept the pick, obviously, and they drafted Tyrese Martin. And we'll see on that. But that could happen again. Um, wrestler has again that long long record of using picks to put cash in his pocket. I think 46 has some value in this class, particularly for a team that is trying to be cheaper. I think second rounders are very cheap, as I said a million times last year and into this year. Tyrese Martin was on a full contract almost exclusively because he was going to be cheap. I think for a lot of teams, most teams, almost all teams, he would have been on a two way contract last year with how he was treated. It's just that he was so cheap against the cap and against the tax, they wanted to do that. Without going fully into detail on the CBA, there's a new second round pick exception in the CBA, which actually allows you to sign longer deals for second round picks as well. So I think there's some pretty interesting value. There is likely to be someone in my top 35 or 40 that falls to 46. I would just draft someone there, to be honest with you, barring a weird trade. I would be uh, frustrated again if I was a Hawks fan and they traded down or out in exchange for cash. So also, it's like the wild, wild west at that point in the draft. So I'll say that. I'll raise my hand on that. I, I'm not saying that it's going to be a, that, that, that is a great pick or anything like that, but trades could be all over the place. If they make a pick, we'll see. Um, I think there are some guys that I think would be like total heists that if you like even want to throw in a second round pick in the future to move up a little few spots, like Jordan Walsh from Arkansas on defense, um, Marcus Sasser, CD Sissoko, Andre Jackson, any of those guys kind of fall to you. Perfect. Um, there's some big shooters in this draft that could be available there, like Julian Strother or Hunter Tyson. Both have good size there. I like Strother more overall, but still. Um, you have some defenders like Kobe Brown or Julian Phillips or Jordan Miller 
who I all I kind of like all those guys in that range. You have Amari Bailey, a former five-star prospect that could be available in that range as a guard from UCLA. Some more names to just list quickly. Seth Lundy from Penn State, Jalen Slauson from Furman, Ricky Counts from Arkansas, Adam Flagler from Baylor, Amari Moore from San Jose State, Colin Castleton from Florida, especially if they don't draft a center in the first round, i.e. Derek Lively, uh, Serge Jabari Rice from Texas, Chris Livingston from Kentucky, and Jalen Wilson from Kansas, all on my list. There's probably even more than that, but there you go. Uh, to wrap, wrap this up, obviously I don't want to go too too crazy long, and there could be some stuff in the future. But anyway, when it comes to stuff that's unrelated to the 15th pick, so like roster stuff with Capella, Collins, Hunter, etc., it's really wait and see. It shouldn't surprise anyone if the Hawks trade Collins and or Hunter and or Capella in the next 24 hours. Would not be a surprise. Collins is the most available of all those guys, but they're all available on some levels. The Hawks could take a big swing with Siakam. In general, I will say what I said yesterday, that none of these moves have to happen at the draft. Obviously, the draft stuff does, but uh, last year, the Hawks pretty famously waited about a week to trade for DeJounte and trade Kevin Herter basically back-to-back. So there's no rush on this stuff, but some of the attachments of that first-round pick could be tied to trades, which makes things more likely this year than they were last year for the Hawks to actually go ahead and make that kind of trade. Uh, Also, at 46, again, make the pick in my mind. At 15, I think your best case scenarios are if you stay put, Case and Wallace, Grady Dick. Um, you know, I, I would like Derek Lively if he were to fall there. I wouldn't love trading up for Derek Lively. I'll, I'll be on the record about that. But I, I think if you trade Capella and you want to add Lively, it makes t- total sense to me. But I think those guys, maybe Kobe Bufkin, would be like my three or four best case scenarios for the Hawks. Um, after that, I think Balakula Bali. Dirty Whitehead, if his medical checks out, uh, Chris Murray, Jed Howard, any of those guys would be totally fine with me. And the list goes on and on. Um, there are guys, again, I have in my top 20 or so, including like Hood Shafino and Jordan Hawkins, Nick Smith, et cetera, that I think would be more than, worthy ta- more than worthy talent-wise, just not their best fits in the world. But there are some talent things. And um, again, this is a wide open draft in some respects after the top three, four, five picks. And uh, the Hawks have an opportunity to add a real talented piece to the roster. So last thing I'll say I think it's a pretty good spot for the Hawks. Obviously, there are some roster questions with regard to the money side of things. That's not – even if you are high on whatever player it is, Collins, Hunter, Capella, even as someone who really values Collins, who really values Capella, um, there, are, there are money challenges here. And I think that while I'm the first to note that as a fan, it, it would be frustrating to me that ownership is kind of putting the artificial constraint on the roster – um, the Hawks don't have to cut salary for any reason. They could just roll with this group and spend the money and be better. But anyway, uh, I think that's part of the calculus for sure. And it's unfortunate. I think that fans probably don't love that. But cost cutting is part of this, I think. But as far as the draft is concerned, 15 is a really good, nice spot to be in. There's some really talented players there. They could trade up. They could trade down, et cetera. The paths are wide open. And I'm pretty excited to see how things break on Thursday evening. There could be trades. There could be just two picks being made. could be one pick being made. We'll see. But we'll have full coverage on this podcast. So I've gone longer than I intended to on this um, sort of final episode. I'll say this. If something breaks like early in the morning on Thursday or late in the evening tonight after I post this podcast, I will do my best to do a short emergency kind of level podcast on Thursday by midday. By the afternoon, I will be going to the Hawks facility. So I will be unable to record podcasts till I get home after that. So I recommend following me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon work as well. Patreon.com slash BT Roland on the written side. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We hope you stick around long term, but please check out the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify and YouTube, et cetera. Tell a friend about the show. Thank you sincerely for listening. I'm excited about the draft. I hope you guys are too. And we'll see everybody after the draft at the very, very latest on Thursday evening.